So when it comes to celebrations honoring those who have died, in our context, we often think of things like the Day of the Dead from Mexican and Latin American cultures, or maybe All Saints Day from the the Christian tradition. But there are special holidays and observances to celebrate ancestors all around the world in places like China and Japan, India, Cambodia, and that's that's just scratching the surface here. Yeah, these global observances and celebrations, they come from all different faith backgrounds, Christian, Hindu, Buddhist, uh, as well as lots of tribal traditions and religions. But one of the most fascinating things that you found, yeah. this is really good. Fama Dihana. I had never heard of this before, but... It was new to me. <laughs> It's, it's also known as the turning of the bones, and it's observed in Madagascar. So every seven years after a person has died, sometime in the winter, the body is removed from the tomb by their living family members, then rewrapped and put back into the tomb with a giant party often involving carrying the body around joyously, live music and dancing. <laughs> it feels like Weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> Gone wrong. I, 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 it's, it's a strange thing. But it's, it's uh, in all seriousness, it's based on the idea that the spirit of the dead can't fully go back to the land of ancestors until the body is actually fully decomposed. So uh, when it's all done, you spray the loved one down with perfume and put them away for another seven years. It's only strange when they're not your own traditions, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. But there's just something about, and it just... Fun, just at our core, there's just something about celebrating and remembering those who came before us. And it makes us who we are today, whether it's in Madagascar or in South Korea or here in Minnesota of all places, right? There's just something about it. Yeah. So welcome to episode 74, When the Saints. Welcome to the Sandbox. Welcome to the Sandbox Cooperative Podcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Dave. So today is, is Halloween, uh, which, you know, it's a good good day to think about these kinds of uh, ancestors and, and uh, loved ones that have gone before us. And I guess in some ways, dead people and strange things like that. It's all tied together. And actually, <laughs> you know, very intentionally, but uh, more maybe pressing is what are you going to dress up as hol- for Halloween this year, Chris? Well, so uh, I don't know that actually today I, I will be dressing up at all. Uh, we have to we have to build a front porch, so I think I'll actually be out front uh, scaring the children that are looking for candy by <laughs> digging a big hole. But uh, this past weekend, I did go to a Halloween party, and um, I didn't have a costume, and I needed something last minute, and uh, I decided to go as a lumberjack. So all I needed was flannel and an axe, and I was all set to go. Yeah, because you got the giant beard, so... Right. And so maybe what would be even scarier, maybe for next year, if you're not going to do it this year, yeah. um, shave the beard. Okay. <laughs> like, shave it all off, and don't tell anybody that you're going to do it, and just show up. If there's anybody listening that has seen me without a beard, just <laughs> send us an email or <laughs> post on Facebook, uh, and let us know if you think that's a good idea. Yeah. I would vote no, but... Yeah. yeah. Uh, what about you, Dave? You know, I, I don't know what I'm going to be this year. It's usually a last second decision for me, but I will say that my favorite thing that I was ever for Halloween was definitely the red hat lady. <laughs> <laughs> That's a real thing. I was there. There are pictures. There are pictures to prove that. And again, like Chris without a beard, nothing good about <laughs> it. <laughs> nothing good. <laughs> nothing good about it. We don't it. even need to ask. Nobody wants to see that. <laughs> um, but it's it's Halloween. And, uh, and for us in our tradition, that means it's also almost All Saints Day. It's like All Saints Day Eve, isn't it? Technically, I guess, yeah. It's November yeah. 1st. 
And, so. and, and in our tradition, All Saints Day is a time when we remember and we give thanks for those who came before us. And they showed us something of what it is to be human, right? Mm-hmm. That maybe gave us insight into what it is to be alive. People who uh, were important in our lives, people who may not have ever, you know, like we have this thing of, oh, it's when we use the word saint, well, it's somebody who's been elevated by a church tradition or whatever. No, no, no. These are like all people. Yeah. Who have just moved the needle in our lives in some mm-hmm. way. Yeah. So there's, you know, a lot more to, to Halloween and, and this time of year than just dressing up as a kid and getting candy from the neighbors. Although that's pretty fun. Although it's pretty fantastic. Especially when you're not actually a kid. And when you're getting Snickers bars. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the, the tradition that we celebrate today, uh, even kind of in all of its varieties here in the United States, it has its roots from what I understand in an ancient Celtic tradition, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and at some point the, the church kind of took and built on that tradition, uh, as a way to celebrate this idea of saints, um, um, and it took took years and, and, and all sorts of time and, and different ways of getting at it to ultimately become what we know today. But um, like we said at the outset, there are traditions related to this that are all over the world. It just feels like it's a really important thing for us to kind of look back at, at the people who have come before us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And at the core of it all, you know, there's just something about the feeling, that feeling of being connected uh, to to this stream of, of, of people that's gone before us connected to our, our ancestors and these connections, they're powerful and they're strong and, uh, and they are connected across cultures. Mm -hmm. So here's a fun fact in 2012, ancestry.com was sold for $1.6 billion. (sighs) That's with a B. The B. And six years later, it has estimated market value of 3 billion. So the company claims that it has access to around 16 billion historical records and it's got over 2 million paying subscribers. Like, how do you even wrap your brain around those kinds of numbers? I don't know, but I mean, it, it really does indicate the importance of this, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I saw the, a quote from Beverly Strassman. Uh, she's a University of Michigan anthropologist. And, and she said that genealogy is said to be America's second most popular hobby. Hmm. So like we said, it's important and it, and it matters to so many people. So what is it about our ancestors and, and why do we care? Yeah, as we were kind of thinking about this episode, I thought a little bit about, um, I was actually just uh, back home for uh, my grandma's 90th birthday party That's a few awesome. weeks ago. Um, and it was it was really cool and it was really strange. And uh, <laughs> I, my family is awesome and they're the weirdest people I know. And uh, I, I could Apple tell- Apple doesn't fall from the tree. <laughs> I could tell all of the stories mm. uh, and I won't. because this is a family podcast. Um, But, you know, you know, as I was, as I was there, um, you know, good, bad, all of the things, uh, you know, we celebrated my grandma and we uh, came together as a family. And as I was, was there and, and at home, just kind of with my family throughout the weekend outside of the party, um, I learned all sorts of things. And I saw all all sorts of things about my family that I hadn't seen before. And again, some good, some bad. Um, But it was this weird thing where all of a sudden I realized like, Oh, that's why, like, that's why that family dynamic is like that. Or, or, oh, that's why I (laughs) am like that. That's, which is really weird. You know, you, you don't want that too many times in a row or throw you (laughs) off a little bit, but, um, but really, I mean, you know, even things from coming out of, out of people's mouths that I didn't even really know, or, or people I hadn't seen in 10, 15 years, um, all of a sudden it made it, it made sense. You know, there's certain, certain things that click. And so I think sometimes when we look at our family history, we look at our ancestors, we learn a little bit about kind of this untold story of ourselves that we didn't really, we didn't really know was there until all of a sudden it, it clicks. Something familiar about it. And it's like looking in the mirror and in a strange way, you see something that you didn't 
didn't notice before. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. It reminds me actually a few episodes ago, uh, one of our communication episodes, uh, our friend Dwayne was talking about this idea of, of the Holy Spirit as the collected consciousness of all of us and how all of those things that people have given us kind of show up when we bring ourselves to something. Uh, and I think this is another another great example of what that is. All of the people that have fed into you suddenly come out through you and, and you and who you are. And I heard some of this idea in an interview that we had recently with Nancy Gady. Nancy is a pastor in Chicago, and she's done quite a bit of family ancestry research. She even wrote a book about what she discovered as she was kind of going down this this rabbit hole, if you will, uh, what she discovered about about her her family history. And we chatted online, so the audio, it's a bit off from what we normally have. <laughs> But she had great things to share about her experience with family research, and we want to share it with you uh, now. I'm Nancy Katie. I'm the pastor of Augustana Lutheran Church in Hyde Park. Um, and I wrote uh, this book, Uncovering Lives, uh, four years ago, although the writing of it was in the works for quite a long time before that, because uh, I started the work of researching family, uh, our family's uh, history when my uh, oldest son was born okay. and when I started trying to fill out a, uh, a family tree that was part of his baby book, um, I could fill out my grandparents for sure. Um, and uh, most of my parent and most of my parents, grandparents, but they didn't, my dad didn't know so much about his dad um, and his grandfather, he wasn't sure what country he had been born in. And, uh, it got pretty sketchy <laughs> back just a couple of generations. And I thought, well, that would be really great to, to just know a few things to be able to fill mm -hmm. this up. And, um, as I got going then, uh, lots of, uh, as I tried to verify details and, and find things out, I found out, uh, a lot of things that I didn't expect, um, which included a lot of uh, family secrets, um, mm -hmm. things that uh, I think my mom knew some of these, but she didn't tell me and she didn't really want me to know <laughs> um, things that uh, I think she didn't know or my dad didn't know, but other relatives knew. And when I talked to them, they were willing to finally give me some uh, some details of these things. And as those stories unfolded, it became really clear that um, people were very ashamed of these stories hmm. and ashamed of the things that their parents or their grandparents had done. But taken at a distance, looking back at them, um, some of them were just really beautiful stories um, of times when people had forgiven each other in hmm. really extraordinarily difficult circumstances, times when people had been um, abused and really suffered trauma that had come through that and had gone on to live lives that were examples of what it means to be healed and whole. And so... Um, they were just really beautiful stories that I um, began to record for my um, family and then share with them. But then also begin, I began to use them as um, uh, examples in teaching sometimes. Um, I did a workshop, you know, for my congregation about how can you do these things? Um, I began to preach about them. And finally, I uh, 
finally decided to pull it together in a book. It sounds like you you discovered some compassion for your ancestors and for those who went before you in ways that they couldn't either give one another or give themselves. I did. Um, it was interesting that um, I knew a few things about my uh, grandma Jen's grandmother, Ulrika. Um, and the things that I knew, um, the very few things I knew about her um, did not sound very promising. <laughs> and uh, I knew that my grandma had a very large scar on her thumb. And that was from when she was a little girl. She thought about three and she had been under a table and her, she'd been playing with a knife and her grandma said, give me the knife. And she wouldn't, but she didn't take it away from her. You know, my grandma kept playing with it and she about sliced off her thumb. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) It seemed to me like that was pretty poor parenting. (laughs) (laughs) And a, a more serious example had been that, um, uh, Jen's mother had uh, been left alone by Elrica when she was a little girl and she was a six-year-old. She'd been left alone with her three-year-old sister and her sister's dress had caught on fire in the fireplace hmm, hmm. and she died. Wow. Um, from her burns. Hmm. And um, a lot of the things then that I found out about Elrica, um, may I think, made me more angry than anything yeah. ever. And, uh, mm-hmm. but I also looked at how her daughter looked at her mm-hmm. and her daughter, Anna was extremely forgiving. And my grandma had always talked about her mother as being someone who would never, it just was the picture of, of steadiness. It was, um, there were some times when it was difficult to, um, reconcile what I was finding out with that, uh, person who I only know from hearing about them and learning about them. One of the things that I heard you say is that, you know, it started innocently enough with a baby book and filling out a baby book and it just led you down this rabbit hole. And, and you were looking at this baby book to, you know, and filling this thing out in order to tell your family story, be able to pass something along to your child, I imagine. But what did you learn about yourself in the process? Well, one thing I learned was that uh, I am a whole lot more curious about this, I think, than, uh, than other people. Yeah. And um, I I think that's because I look at people like Ulrika and uh, this great-grandma and Anna uh, and my grandma, and I see a lot of things that uh, have been passed down mm-hmm. and a lot of ways that I am like them or not like them Mm -hmm. in discovering other people. Uh, it's, it's been, um, uh, good to get to uh, be introduced to some of the people who, uh, I never got a chance to meet. And it turned out to be very important to me. Like my, uh, I never met my dad's parents because they died, uh, his dad long before I was born and, and, uh, his mom a couple of years after I was born. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, it's been surprising how, uh, how much I am like her in some ways. I like the way that you put that. I I never got a chance to meet them. And it's almost as if you said, and now I have. In some important ways I have. And Mm. I, I realized some things that um, I don't think I would have realized without doing this search. Um, For instance, when I was a little girl, I was very close to some of the people that my 
dad had grown up with, um, people who had been neighbors and um, people that uh, they had all gone to the same church, Messiah Lutheran in Burlington, Iowa, and um, they were all longtime members and they had been friends of my grandma. And I can't say that they ever talked about her, but in looking back, I mean, there were so many times when we, we just spent so much time with them visiting and they would visit us and we spent time at church. And I think that uh, they were uh, doing this partly to uh, for their friend, um, their good friend, Hulda, my grandma, who did not live to be a grandma, really. Looking back, I can just see yeah, they were <laughs> they were an important circle for me, even though I didn't really realize that until yeah. I started doing this work. Something about the hindsight that allowed you to to be able to see those relationships and and maybe the depth that you didn't realize at the time. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So that's one of the interesting things to me about a lot of this this stuff of learning family history is just that. Uh, a lot of times it is the people that you don't know, but sometimes, you know, ahead of time at least, but sometimes the way that that uh, still has taught lessons through your family and maybe you've learned that somebody, you know, has maybe told this story even for a while and not even known who they were talking about or, you know, there's all sorts of ways that those kinds of things uh, kind of pass down. And I think sometimes, you know, like you were saying about the circle earlier too, it's not always even the actual family. Sometimes it's just the people around the family. I think there's a whole a whole community of people that have influenced who we are today that we don't even, we aren't even aware of most of the time. Right. And that's, um, that's for Christians, a, a, a great example of uh, the communion of saints and all of the uh, saints around us. It, our, our circle extends beyond just family. Uh, it continues on into all of those other people who uh, support us and people who we do not know who yeah. have been an important part mm-hmm. of the faith tradition. And we receive those gifts, but we don't necessarily know who they are sometimes. That cloud, um, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say at um, uh, at Augustana, we're a, a Swedish uh, origin church. And so we still do Santa Lucia. Um, and for a, a congregation of people who are not very Swedish anymore, <laughs> you need to uh, make it more than just an ethnic celebration. And um, one thing that seems to uh, really resonate with people is that uh, this idea that when people looked out and saw this woman walking across a lake in Sweden long ago and on St. Lucy's Day carrying food, um, that's uh, just such a beautiful example of this unknown saint um, doing something, you know, very probably very ordinary at that time since I think uh, surviving in Sweden at that time during so many famines was really difficult. And she walks across a lake and brings food to people on the other side and nobody knows who she is. She's conflated with St. Lucy, but she's not St. Lucy, obviously. She's just a, an ordinary woman. And um, that's how we lift her up at Augustana is this uh, extraordinary example of uh, extraordinary witness, but somebody who doesn't, isn't known by name. All Saints Sunday is coming up. Why is that a, what about that is a special Sunday for you? A special remembrance for you? Well, it, it is a day when, um, when I do remember, especially all of the uh, people who have 
come before. And in fact, right now I'm working on a, uh, a big piece of art, a large uh, collage mural um, that includes some of them. Um, in a, because uh, I live in a Mexican neighborhood, and so Day of the Dead is huge here. Um, every year, we, uh, my husband and I, we go out and we uh, uh, join about a hundred other families to put up an ofrenda out okay. on uh, cool. one of the part in the parks. Cool. And um, uh, this is just uh, kind of a natural uh, part of that is making this uh, this big mural, collage mural. But um, uh, it reminds me of of how important these people are kind of even in in uh sometimes even in day-to-day life just talking with like my boys about um sharing stories about you know things that have come before and people have come before and um feeling like you just kind of uh, you, you keep building that thread mm-hmm. <laughs> backwards and forwards yeah. of uh, connection to generations before So we had a wide-ranging conversation with Nancy, and we talked for a while about some of the people that went before her. She discovered people who struggled with alcoholism and abandonment and pain. And she also discovered faith and healing and reconciliation among some of those very same people. But I like the way she framed it in the story of St. Lucia. Now, you may or may not be familiar with the story of St. Lucia, but it's the idea that the extraordinary is present in an ordinary person. From what I've come to understand, when people do ancestry research, they often come to discover extraordinary things like grace, forgiveness, and love in the most ordinary of people, our ancestors, people just like you and me. I also imagine it helps us to understand ourselves and our current family and community relationships in a new light. Yeah, and when I think about these ordinary people, it reminds me of what we were talking about a little earlier with our own tradition that uh, you know we celebrate kind of all of these people on the on this day. Uh, one of the things though that that Nancy talked about that we didn't include in this episode was the idea that we hold on to things like traditions because they in some way help us connect with our ancestors and somehow these traditions are telling us something about who we are that we might miss if we you know, toss a tradition out without learning about it. And, um, you know, we called this episode When the Saints, and here's the New Orleans nerd in me, but <laughs> it makes me think about a New Orleans funeral. Um, if you're not familiar with these, uh, especially when someone who's a, a prominent musician uh, dies, but but this happens kind of across, peop- you know, across, across cultures and, and groups of people in New Orleans, um, there's this funeral procession, and, and it's led by a New Orleans brass band. And as they walk out the door from the funeral, it's a slow dirge and the music is really uh, kind of somber. But the further you get away, uh, it becomes a very celebratory thing. Um, And what I've learned about this is that actually this tradition roots back to uh, African, like the African ancestors of the people who live in New Orleans. Mm. They had um, these traditions of celebrating at the time of death. Um, They would throw basically big parties with music and, you know, all the food, all the things that you would expect from a party. Uh, but it happened at the time of, of someone's death. And so, uh, that kind of has translated over time into this thing that we now see as the new Orleans funeral. Um, so this tradition was a celebration, not, not like a celebration of life. Like we might, you know, hear today in our, in our culture, but, um, but it's a celebration of, of death itself, that that actually is part of 
our experience. It's part of the thing that we go through. Um, and it's only because of that connection with their ancestors that we get to hear this music in this way. Um, and maybe one of the things that we can learn a little bit too is celebrating together even though times are tough. So this all reminds me of an essay that I wrote some years ago now, and it has to do with with my my girl. Uh, her name's Annika, and and I called it Annika Twirls. Here it goes. I grew up with two brothers, and in my life, I never spent much time around little girls until I had two of my own. I've learned and continue to learn a lot from them. But early on, I discovered that there's nothing quite like watching a little girl wearing a dress when she starts to twirl. You know what I'm talking about? She's all dressed up. She feels good and beautiful and special, filled with a unique kind of joy. And then she begins to twirl. The edges of her dress fan out and her smile broadens until giggles spill forward from a place so deep within that all perspectives and all colors seem to blur into one in an exhilarating rush. She feels special and beautiful. Life is good. Now, my grandfather, he was an accountant and a CFO of a successful company. He was a fisherman, an avid golfer, dedicated family member, devoted friend to many. A friend of mine, who is also a businessman, came to his funeral as moral support for me. He never knew my grandpa, but he said he wished he could have taken some of the young guys from his company to this funeral and showed them an example of a life well-lived. He wanted to show them that it is indeed possible to be a good businessman and, have, and a person of faith and still have time to play and take care of one's family. Business is not the be-all and end-all of one's life. There is so much more. He heard in my grandpa's story an example for others. Grandpa lived to be 91 years old, long enough to see all five of his great-granddaughters twirl. He loved each of them, and there was always a glint in his eye when he would see them and speak of them. As a pastor and a grandchild, I was asked if I would serve bread and wine of Holy Communion at his funeral. Now, in our tradition, Holy Communion is a time when we are joined together with Jesus in a profound and mysterious way. We understand that as we receive the bread and wine in this ritual, we are receiving Jesus, and as such, we are joined with the creator of the universe. I stood next to the casket as family and friends and business associates and acquaintances alike came forward to receive the bread of Holy Communion from me. Suddenly, I looked out, and right in front of me is my three-year-old girl my three-year-old daughter, Annika, and she is twirling right next to the casket. She breaks loose from the twirl and reaches out to me with a smile and an open palm looking for bread. Joy and grief, life and death, mourning and twirling. The life and spirit of one generation entering into the soul of a new one even as the hand reaches out as if to say, I want to be connected. Feed me. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Sandbox Cooperative Podcast. And a special thanks to Nancy Gady for sharing some of her story with us. Be sure to check out her book, Uncovering Lives, Discovering One Immigrant Generation's Secrets and Lives of Forgiveness, Grace, and Healing. And that's available at uh, Amazon.com. Yeah, to stay up to date with all the things that we've got going on in the Sandbox, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, or sign up for our mailing list at sandboxcooperative.com. And we'd love to hear from you. So let us know what you think about the podcast. And if you'd like, rate and review us on iTunes. Join us in the conversation. And as always, be sure to share this podcast with someone who might like it, because there's always more room in the sandbox. Until next time, we'll see you. Bye. Please watch your step as you exit the sandbox.